So I've had a few conversations with people over the years, uh, people who've desired to win the lottery. And a lot of these are good, God, God-fearing folk, and they've said, you know, I'd, if I won the lottery, I'd pay off the mortgage, um, maybe get a slightly bigger car or a newer car, and then I'd give a lot of the money to charity. And I think they actually do mean that, uh, they, 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 those who I've spoken to anyway. One of them is my mom, okay. Um, uh, and uh, they said, look, I'd, I would, I'd, I'd give a large chunk of it to charity, because what would I do with all this money? What would I, I mean, I don't need it. Um, once the debts are paid, like the, you know, the kids have gone through university, what would we actually do? Go on an extra couple of holidays? Well, we're, you know, they, they just wouldn't, that kind of thing just wouldn't bother them. We don't need a new tractor anytime soon. That would be nice. Um, you'll always find an excuse for a tractor. <coughs> um, so, so, and it was, I was think, thinking this morning of how, how noble an attitude it is that whatever I get is for the good of others. Whatever I have is for the service of others. Like that's, I think there's something actually profoundly Christian, profoundly kind of divine about that, that everything I have is for the service of others. Everything I have is for others. Because this is how God works. It's how God acts. All that he has created is for us. All that he is, he has given to us on the altar so he, he his love is a is a self-giving love so all all that he has like he's, he, he is while we be theologically careful you know god is entirely complete within himself and doesn't require us or any of creation in order to to feel better or be more complete god is complete within himself but his love is such that he wants to chooses to pour it out on us and give it to us. So all that we have, we're called then to, to respond in the same way. That we come from God, we're created by him, all that we have has been given to us. So our bodies, our health, our intelligence, yes we can, we can, we can develop them but ultimately I didn't make this body, I, I nourish it and try to keep it in more or less good shape uh, but not, not, yeah okay. Not, not, I mean, in good condition. Okay. Uh, uh, um, so, yeah, but ultimately, I didn't, I didn't make this body. You know, I didn't make this mind or brain. Uh, these things were just given to me. I didn't choose to grow up in Ireland. Like, I didn't choose my family. Um, all these, these things were just given to me. So all of these things that, I, that I've been given, what are they for? Well, our options... I think fundamentally are two. We can live for ourselves. So all that I have been given is for me. Right? So my intelligence is for me then to use, to accumulate as much wealth and success as possible, and maybe even to learn to how to kind of manipulate people, because if you're smart, you know how to say the right thing to kind of get your way into situations or convince people to do what you want. Uh, or or manipulate, or kind of blackmail people into doing what you want. So, so you can use intelligence for all sorts of things. We can use any of our gifts, whether it be music, or, or good looks, or, or athletic ability, or carpentry. You can use anything, right, for the service of others, or for yourself, just for yourself. God's desire is that all that we have and all that we are 
we would use for others. Which doesn't, of course, mean that your children starve because you're so generous giving money to other people. Of course not. <coughs> but with your resources and your job, <coughs> you're there first and foremost to serve your wife and kids, and then whoever else. Which, again, doesn't mean you can't have to feel guilty about going on a holiday, a nice family holiday to Spain. Of course not. But, but we, we take care of each other too. It's not an either or, it's a, it's a both and. So all that we have comes from God and the goal of life is that all that we have and do returns to the service of God. All, everything comes from him and everything should return to him. And the more of those things that we hold on to in the meantime, the less free we are and the less ready for heaven we are. Everything should come from him and everything should return to him. And then when everything returns to him, then I'm free. And then I'm living and acting like him. It sounds very easy, but that's, that's the goal of our lives. To all that he gives us, that he can trust me with, with giving me more. Giving me more intelligence, giving me more ability, giving me more gifts, like the, the, the power of the talents. The more he gives me, the more I give back to him. You know, I got one talent, I can bury it and say nothing and say, look, I mean, we leave it there. I won't do any harm. But in our lives we're called not just not to do any harm, not just not to sin, but do something good with it. Do, like, create something, build something, help someone, serve someone with, with these gifts. Like, reach out to the other. Love, basically. Put love into action. Not just don't do any harm, bury the talent in the field. But with the, 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 the two, three, the five talents that we have, to make five more. So this is, this is the purpose of, of of why we're here, the purpose of life, to recognize everything comes from God and to give everything back to him. And in that process, <clears throat> part of the challenge here is when a cross comes our way. So when an, in, an illness comes our way, bereavement, failure, our own inability, our own uh, sinfulness, when something gets in the way that, that trips us up, the enemy is very, very quick to pounce on that and say, look, where was God? God doesn't care. God isn't listening. God isn't there. Okay, so the reason you'll, you'll see why I'm saying all of this now in a second. Uh, I'm tying it into today's gospel. Today's gospel is a gospel of healing. But it's a gospel of healing which is a, a little unusual in that a, a blind man is brought to Jesus, okay? And the people actually beg him to touch him. That's, that's interesting. It's actually nice of them. It's good of them. These bystanders, maybe friends, maybe family, we don't really know. But they bring this blind man to Jesus and say, Jesus, please, please heal him. Please touch him. So it's in other, in other uh, Bible accounts, you know, we have the story of Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus who calls out, Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. But here it's actually his, his friends or family, just some people brought the blind man to him to touch him. Okay, so he takes him outside, leads him by the hand. I love that, I just love that image. He catches him by the hand and leads him outside of the village. What, what conversation did they have on the way? I don't know. That's just, what did they talk about? Leave that to your own reflection. But just, I just, that must have been a pretty nice conversation. Okay, so then uh, he, he puts spittle on his eyes, lays hands on him and, and, and asks him, can you see anything? And the man basically can't yet. There's a partial healing. So he says, um, I can see people, 
They look like trees to me, but they're walking around. So he has this kind of fuzzy vision. He can kind of half see, but things are not clear. And then Jesus lays his hands on the man again. Now, I actually read one biblical commentary where it said this is Jesus's this is uh, Jesus showing his humanity, his inability, and his weakness that he needed to, to, to heal the man twice. Uh, so he needed two attempts to heal the man. It's like his tingle wasn't working the first time. You know what I mean? Like, and can you see anything? No. Okay, let's go again. Come on, come on, come on. You know, like, like that's not it. <laughs> that's not the reason Jesus had to bless the man twice. And this is only my interpretation, but. I think Jesus is showing us here that sometimes healing comes through a process. Healing comes through steps. That it's not always a bang, one blessing, one moment, and you're done. That would be nice, and it does happen on occasion. Biblically, it happens, and also in our own lives. Maybe you've seen or heard of people who went to a, maybe Medjugorje or who knows where, and had a miraculous healing experience. Fantastic. It does happen. But very often, I would even argue, for the major, in the majority of circumstances, healing happens through a process. It happens through steps. So the Lord doesn't necessarily just take away the temptation, doesn't necessarily take away the grief, doesn't necessarily uh, take away that, 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 that weakness that we have. But he teaches us or forms us or walks with us or guides us through the storm, the problem, the issue, whatever it is, the challenge. And there's like, again, there's just, there is divine wisdom in this. It's like, no matter how many books you read about riding a bike, and no matter how many YouTube instructional videos you watch about riding a bike, and no matter how many posters you have of Sean Kelly or anybody else, uh, any famous cyclist on your wall, okay, he's from my era, it's a long time ago, um, and no matter, how many, no matter how much you know about, no matter how many bikes you've dissected and put back together, if you want to learn to cycle, you have to get on the bike. You have to get on the bike. You just have to cycle. Which also implies you have to fall off. Because there's just no other way. You'll have the two stabilizers at the beginning and you'll feel absolutely invincible. Then you'll go to that stage where you've got one stabilizer where you're leaning on the stabilizer. Uh, but then the time eventually comes when that stabilizer comes off and now you're on two little narrow stretches of rubber with a contact patch of about that much on each wheel. Mm-hmm. And off you go. Learn. And parents aren't being cruel by taking off the stabilizers. Because if you're 18, with stabilizers on your bike, you're going to get beaten up. Okay, so they are doing you a favor. Right? Take the stabilizers off. Uh, training wheels, Americans call them, by the way. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, so, the Lord heals us often through a process. Through a process. And this isn't him being slow or cruel or anything like that. But we learn then. We learn, to, to see, we, learn to, we learn what it means then to be taken by the hand and guided through the bereavement, the storm, the weakness, the dark patch, whatever it is in our life. We, we learn then to, to walk with him. Whereas if there was an instantaneous cure, we wouldn't have had that journey with him. We wouldn't have had that walk with him. We wouldn't have seen what it means to, to, to struggle and yet he's there and yet the, there, there are times when he seems far away but, but you know you're being carried and we wouldn't experience all of that if there was an instantaneous cure so the Lord does know what he's doing 
even when he heals through a process, even when he heals, in our eyes, slowly. He does know what he's doing. Sometimes when we go to, when we think of a miracle, I think it's, I think of this miracle, I think it's helpful to think of, of a doctor. Right, when we go to a doctor, uh, if we approach a doctor and the doctor says, how are you? And you say, I'm fine, all good, no bother. He'll say, well, great, here's a lollipop, off you go. If you haven't got anything that you want help with or anything you want him to work on or anything you want him to diagnose, well, then that's his job done. So if we come to God saying, yeah, it's all good, not really interested in you helping or interfering, then what do you want him to do? So if we do go, go to a doctor and we say, look, we've got, we've got a particular problem, an issue, I lose my breath or I'm having trouble going to the bathroom or I've got a pain in my ankle, hip, kneecap, whatever it is, um, then he can start trying to narrow down what the problem is, trying to diagnose, right? The first step for any, for any doctor is, is diagnosis. What is the problem? There's no point just throwing painkillers at the thing if it's cancer, right? You have to work out what is the problem here. You diagnose. Now, diagnosing our problem with the Lord, uh, again, can be a slow process because often we might not even want to know. And it's something I, I've come across a couple of times. If, uh, if in confession someone says, you know, Bless me, Father, for I've sinned. I got drunk for the last couple of weekends. Okay. I will often ask, why? Why do you drink too much? Oh, yeah, because I go out with, with, with Johnny, and when Johnny's there, then we always just end up drinking too much. Yeah, but, but that's not really answering the question, though. Why, why do you drink too much? It's not because you're thirsty. Like, why? What's the problem? What are you trying to numb or hide or ignore? Because if you don't diagnose the source, the problem you're going to go out and drink this Saturday just like you did every Saturday for the last six years. Nothing will change unless you diagnose the problem. Get back to the root. What's the root? The Lord wants us to, to, to know our own hearts and, and, and with him diagnose what the issue is. Like, why is it that I want to be alone, even though I hate being alone, but I choose to be alone? Do I find it hard to trust people? And if so, Why? Who broke my trust? Who hurt me? Who do I need to forgive? Or if uh, I find myself spending excessively, just constantly buying clothes or food or who knows what. What, what, what am I trying to fill here? What, what, I'm trying to find satisfaction in the material things. Why? Why? What hurt me? What, I need to, with the Lord, like to diagnose my own, my own heart. <laughs> And then once we know what the problem is, now we can start working on it, allowing the Lord to take us by the hand, guide us into a, a private place, not in front of a crowd. I don't think he, in this case, he doesn't heal in front of a crowd with lots of people watching. He takes the person outside the city where they can be alone. And he heals them through a process, step by step. I think the Lord wants to do that with so, so many of us too. He wants with us to diagnose what the, what the problem is and then step by step heal it. Heal it. Lord Jesus, we ask you today to remove any fear we may have of healing. Lord, we want it. We want to be whole. We want to be healthy. We want to be happy, but it may actually scare us to death 
to think that we might have to hand things over to you. All that you have given us, Lord, we should return to you. You ask us to return it to you freely and willingly. We ask you, Lord, then, that we can be free, then, of, of everything here and live only for you. We ask, Lord, though, that anything, any area of our lives that, that isn't healed, anything we're holding on to, any grudges or pain or unforgiveness, any sinful tendency at all, Lord, we ask also on this Wednesday to the prayers and intercession of St. Joseph that we can hand these things back to you, that you can heal us, that you can set us free. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.